Welcome to another edition of the Georgia Songbirds podcast, brought to you by Anchor FM, Yes Ma'am Music. This week's special guest we had was Mr. Mason Embers. He came up to the uh, to the gazebo up to the bird's nest, and we got to talk about music and life, and you know, he's, he's 16 years old, young songwriter from uh, up here in North Georgia. Grown a lot since the last time I saw him. I, I saw him about uh, six, seven months ago, maybe maybe a little longer than that, um, out in ball ground playing. And he has grown leaps and bounds from where he was then. He's got a new single out called Jim. Go check it out. Go download it. It's 99 cents on like iTunes. You can hear on Spotify. It's available everywhere. But uh, we got to talking, and there's a lot of things. He used to be a competitive dancer, which I've... I find that very interesting because I can't dance. We talked about, of course, his music. We got talking about the state of, of music, you know, some of his influence. Being 16 years old, it's always curious to me who who influences these talented kids that are all over the place. I mean, the more and more you, you look out, you see these kids that are 16, 17 years old, and they're talented, and they just, it, it inspires me to do better as, a, as an older man. So I... Props to these guys. They're really, really good. What else are we getting talked to? Uh, we actually got outside. He was like one of the first guests to come back out to the bird's nest because it's been so cold and rainy and never thinks it's going to stop. So we've got some more people coming down. Uh, Music Authority's new band came up. They'll be in next week. You'll hear them on the podcast. I've got some uh, some other guys coming in. It's a couple more bands. I'm about to record a couple episodes on Sunday. And then, um, what else we got? Oh, tomorrow, if you guys are listening to this today, it's Friday. So tomorrow, Saturday, uh, will be the first ever Georgia Songbirds like travel. We're going to go to a uh, Cedar, Crest, Cedar Crest Pizza down there in Dallas, Georgia, and record uh, Jake Aaron Michael and Corey Allen Rose. They're doing a birthday party uh, for... Uh, a gentleman who who has uh, seizures and they're throwing a birthday bash they're going to sing bring some motorcycles you guys will see that I'll, I'll try to post it on to the Facebook page and all that Instagram before sometime today maybe before I, or some, I do that that way you can see it what else we got um, yeah I'm, I'm really curious how that's going to turn out um, I want to take the Georgia Songbirds more places i like to set up shops in different arenas different venues you know just talking to talking to people set it up kind of like a video concert where you can talk to and people just show up and we talk and then you got music playing so i haven't worked out all the details yet as you can tell so i'm gonna figure that out we're gonna test it out tomorrow so uh what else we got um yeah that's, that's about it this week so as always, you can follow, follow the link tree, Georgia Songbirds. We've got a cash app now if you want to support the show, if you want to catch up on any episodes you missed, if you have any questions, I put a link up now so that you can send me messages. If you need it, let me know. That way, I, if you want to hear a certain guest uh, or if you want to have questions for guests or if you have, have comments for me, send them my way. I'm more than happy. Uh, I've got... Um, some one person had uh, mentioned Gypsy Rose. Not Gypsy Rose. I can't think now. It's too early. 
Um, what can I think of the name? As you see, I'm I'm always like that. I always get scattered. But there have been some people that I'm gonna try to get on here. It's not Gypsy Rose. That's that's the place in Roswell where they plays. See, I can't think of it now. But we'll get all these guests that the people wanted on. I'll try to reach out to them and get them on. So till then, enjoy Mr. Mason Embers. And this is the Georgia Songbird Podcast. Thank you, guys. Welcome to the Georgia Songbird Podcast, brought to you by Anchor FM. Yes, ma'am, music. And as we were talking, anybody who wants to sponsor, I will take it. So we are here today with Mr. Mason Embers. Hi, friends. I'm Mason Embers. I'm a local artist in the Woodstock area. And I wanted to, first of all, thank you to Mr. Jesse for having me on here. Really appreciate it. It's a big honor. Thank you. Now, I met you uh, at the Oak House before. Yes, you and did. And I think in Ballground. Um, yes, you did, in Ballground. That was actually one of the first open mics I ever did with, with David. David Sudis. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I took Alan, which I can't get him down there. And then I've been around this area for 30-something years. And wow. I guess ball ground's kind of grown a lot since I moved from there. Yeah. So there's like, yeah, a, it's like so. a, the whole bus is now like a burger bus. Yeah. So it's, the it's burger really cool. bus is awesome. I've only been there one time, but ball ground's a great place. Yep. It's got a great atmosphere. I like it. I like, and I like the food there. So, you know, like I said, sponsors, mm-hmm. anybody listening to burger bus, I will, I will, For I sure. will say anything you want. Get on it. Burger bus. Uh, so how long have you been doing uh, music, going out and playing? Well, going out and playing, I've been doing it since about early last summer. Okay. But I've been doing music for around three years. Okay. Um, it all started one summer when I said to my parents I wanted to pick up a guitar and start playing because before I did music, I was a dancer on okay. a competitive hip-hop team. Really? Yeah, so I did that for eight years, but I always knew it wasn't going to be the um, my passion. Okay. You know, it's very fun, and I love to dance, and uh, hopefully in the future I can be able to make some choreography with my music. I'd about to ask, do you do any choreography when you're playing? I don't because the music I'm doing right now, it doesn't really call for that. Okay. But I definitely want to use dance in my in my music as time goes on. I got like you. I can see me incorporating a bunch of styles that involve dance. But yeah, I always knew that dance wasn't going to be what I continued for with my whole life. Okay. You know, my passion, my main source of income, anything like that. Um, what, I t- what I wanted to express myself with. Okay. So that kind of faded away once I told my parents I want to pick up the guitar. How they react to that? They were completely fine with it. Like they are so supportive because my parents have always said, whatever you want to do, just tell us and we'll go down that path with you. That's nice. And it's I'm so grateful and feel so blessed to have parents like that because I know there's so many young people out there mm-hmm. that don't get to have that experience there's so many young people that are limited by you know maybe figures in their life that feel like a certain path isn't going to get them far okay like financially say yeah my parents already told me go to work (laughs) so they told me so who did you bring with you today i brought my dad um my dad's awesome he's one of the ones that pushes me every day to um keep going you know, and he's always, he's a huge fan of my work. Okay. Well, both of my parents are, but my dad, especially, you know, like every time I come up with a new idea in my bedroom, he's like, you've got to record that. <laughs> and sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I'm kind of bad about that because uh-huh. sometimes I have a philosophy like um, McCartney and, and Lennon and how they would come up with 10, 20 songs on one day in a mm-hmm. writing session and they would 
they wouldn't record them. They'd just say, well, let's come back the next day. And the ones we remember, that's the ones we work on. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, if I just, if it sticks in my head, then that's the one that's worth it. Okay. But uh, I've kind of realized it's probably the smartest to, to record everything. Yes. For yes. sure. Because even if you get like 10 or 20, you can always go back and when you're like when you get into like a musical rut and you can't think of a new song yeah then you can go back and listen and maybe it'll spark a new idea yeah that's very true and so i've been realizing that um so i i don't think it's a i think it's good to take that um to take that extra step okay for sure because you know recording uh it's just so easy it just takes an extra second yeah. and that extra second could be the thing that propels you in the future to make a top hit one day you never know or to yeah. make your best song ever so and you're I still young. You're 16. I'm 16. Yeah. 16 years old. Okay. Yep. Going to turn yeah. 17 this summer, and uh, but I thank my dad for that because without him, I probably wouldn't have recorded some of the ideas that became uh, some of my favorite songs of mine today. So. Okay. Thank you, Dad. Standing over there. <sighs> thank you, Dad. He's over here standing in the cold. Thank you guys for coming up in a cold <laughs> day. At least it's not raining. At least it's not raining. That is right. I was telling everybody, telling you guys when we walked up, that lately everybody has come to the podcast to record. I've had to record inside because uh-huh. it was either raining or it was like so muddy that they just they couldn't walk up here. I wasn't going to make them walk through mm-hmm. all this mud. So for everybody who, who doesn't know where we're at, um, it's family-owned land. I'm back behind the family graveyard. And you walk up to the gazebo, mm. so I'm building, like I was telling you, I'm going to build a studio inside where it's mm. warmer for the cold days. That would be awesome. Yeah. So you, you've been playing around lately, getting some more gigs out, so you got a I house have. show coming up? I do have a house show coming up with um, my friend Miles Landrum. I know Miles. Yeah, Miles is awesome, and uh, I, I believe his name is Greg Drews. Who's okay. the other featured artist? Um, sorry, but that's not his name. No, it Greg, is. I know Greg. Okay, so yeah, Greg Drews and Miles and I were going to be doing a, uh, a little set of originals at the house show. Okay. Um, well, the company's the house show. That's who hosts it, gotcha. and uh, we're hosting it at a place. It's by Mad Life in downtown Woodstock. Okay. And uh, you can check my website, the shows, uh, masonembers.com. You can check the show section to see where it is in RSVP. Okay. But and I, I was looking at that, and I noticed um, you got a show coming up in Canada, like in July. Is that is that Canada? True? I do not have any in Canada. Okay, because there was one be... on there that was like, because you said more shows, so you click on it, and it goes like all the way to July, and it's like the Wild Saloon in Canada. Really? Ontario, Canada, yes. I was what like, in the wow. world? I haven't even seen that. Yeah, you have to. It's on your website because I was looking to see your shows because I, I always like to find stuff for people when they come on to know a little bit well, about them. That's a surprise. Well, uh, do not show up in Canada this <laughs> July because you will not see me there, most likely. But uh, you never yeah. know. You may get calls after this. Canada, <laughs> when you come play. Yeah, Canada would be great. Um, I'd love to, you know, do some shows um, internationally one day. Right. Because touring sounds really fun. So how did you get the gig for the house show? Did they contact you or did you contact them? Yeah. Um, so the house show, it was I got the gig through David Sudis, Elevated okay. Events. Um, he just um, said he had an opportunity for me to play. And I took it instantly because I, you know, love love the opportunity to perform. Yeah, he does a lot for the community. Yeah, right? and it's not just it's not just music. It's also um, local artists, too. Like. Mm-hmm paintings and sketches and sculptures and so um there's going to be two local artists there as well okay and so do you know who the artists that are painting going to be um i cannot recall their names right now i believe one is pronounced uh, like uh, her name is jiri or okay. jiri yeah okay. but um 
I'm, I'm most excited for that pretty much too because I love artwork as well and uh, I used to do some sketching back in the day <laughs> in my younger years so that's pretty that's pretty exciting you say younger years you're 16 years old when uh, I, yeah. when I, my younger years when i was your age mm-hmm. um i've told people have heard this story is because I, I thought i could draw too apparently i couldn't my uh art teacher told me i don't belong wow. drawing anything booted like, that art teacher fine yeah she's yeah she's that was like 30 20 how long that was a long time ago over 20 years ago almost 30 i guess so it was uh I was like, okay, I'm not going to draw anymore. I'm going to pick up a guitar. I'm going to write. I'm going to do other mm. stuff. Yeah. So the fact that you can do all of it, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think my, um, I get the maybe a little bit of drawing from my dad. Okay. Because my dad, um, he's a really good drawer. And uh, because he, wor- he works in a golf course design, so he okay. has to draw all the plans and stuff like that. So I think that's where I got any drawing skill from. I don't really consider myself a, an a artist at all in that, in that okay. standpoint. So what made you want to pick up the guitar then? Honestly, just some, um, some instinct probably, okay. you know, call it a, uh, call it fate or whatever you want to, but I just had a little, um, a little motivation one day in that, in that summer, it was summer of 2016, it was June, I believe, and I just woke up and I decided that I wanted to play. Okay. It was really I don't have any type of story of, you know, I saw my favorite guitarist or I saw my favorite musician play this thing and I was mm. like, I want to be just like them, you know, because some people might list off like uh, Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton, like, uh-huh. oh, I saw them on stage the first time and I just wanted to do that. But um, I've actually had those experiences since starting playing, but I have not started that way. I've okay. not started with the motivation like that. So... I can't really answer that for you. I mean, I've always been into music since I was a toddler, yeah. since whenever I could comprehend things. So I think I've always had that. Um, I've always enjoyed it. You know, I've always been a listener and uh, enjoyed music, but I never had a thought of wanting to create music. Yeah. Well, everybody really. starts different. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I talk to, they start church and then they just go mm-hmm. from there. Um, me, it was my grandfather. He, he played guitar. He taught me a little bit of guitar, but... Mm-hmm. I'd, after he died, I didn't pick up a guitar for five more years. Yeah. You know, so I knew the basics, and then I got a little bit of lessons to pr- refresh it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't like, well, oh, am I destined to play guitar? No, I picked it up because it was something to do. I was living mm-hmm. um, in a camper because I, I got kicked out of my, my old house. Mm-hmm. Long story, I won't get into that stuff. But uh, So I was in a camper, I had something to do. I'm sleeping in his RV, so I pick up a guitar. I said, God, I'm going to learn to play guitar. So I sit there and I'd play until my fingers would bleed, and then mm. that's just how I, how I start. So everybody's different. Mm. There's no right way or wrong way to start. As long as it's something you want to do, you, you start. So you're mostly self-taught mm. after those first few lessons? Yep. You see, that's so impressive to me because I could never really imagine myself teaching myself guitar mm-hmm. um, because I've been, I did lessons for, you know, years. My producer now is actually my old guitar teacher. Who's your producer? His name's Eric Stallings, and he okay. uh, is the owner of the Groove Studio. Okay, where's uh, the Groove Studio at? It's around Sandy Springs area, okay. uh, but it's just pretty much Atlanta area. Okay. Because um, I think anything Metro Atlanta is, you can just call it Atlanta, Atlanta. <laughs> to anyone who isn't in Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was actually my old guitar teacher, so I learned from him. And I just, self-taught uh, musicians are just so respectable to me. Yeah, the way I, I mean, I, I took like, a few lessons to get the gist of it, but then when I, I, I was like, okay, I, I got it and I'm going to play mom because I couldn't read music. Mm. I just didn't have the patience to I read can't it. can't either. Most, some of the best musicians can't 
can't read music because there's I, th- I think that when you learn to read it, it kind of takes away feeling if you're sitting there reading it. Same thing with my saxophone player. He he can read music, but if you start him like when, when he plays saxophone, if he doesn't have the sheet, he has a harder time figuring out the rhythm for it and the groove. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So playing by ear, I think, owns a whole different craft to to what you're doing. I mean, I think it's probably important to learn to read because when if you get mm-hmm. with like studio musicians and you want to yeah. show them what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, you're just like, okay, here's a sheet music, you know, mm-hmm. but you can get that stuff made from other places. Yeah, well. that's always been a topic i think on a lot of musicians minds you've got those who start off like classically trained and those who learn the sheet music and those who go that more formal route and then you've got those who just pick up the guitar and dive into it instantly so i think there's those are the two main types of people and there's some people in between who do a bit of both like me i started learning like music theory i can't read sheet music okay um i want to learn as i learned piano but i i learned music theory early on and so i've never used it i feel like it's how you want to make your music or how you want to play yeah because it just depends on the person i think it depends on your personality and life in general you know if you like to um if you like a more formal approach or you want to go with the um instructions that people have laid out Mm -hmm. like let's say uh if you want to compose a song and you want to do it using it in this certain key and you want to make sure you use these certain chords then you can compose like that or you can just sit and do a lick in your bedroom until you go whoa that's it yeah that is something (laughs) and so i i use the second method yeah. So I think it just depends. Like even though I know theory, I don't really use it in a sense that I use it as building blocks or tools to make a song. I would take other songs and look at their chord progression and just follow it and then make it my own song. Exactly. And because I mean, there's only so many things you can do going from C to to whatever chord you know mm-hmm. that, that it sounded sure. right. So it's all been done before. Yeah. So I would take it and then I'd figure it out myself. And then as I got older, what I learned because I didn't play, I just wrote the songs and I didn't play it out or anything like that. Mm-hmm that I was horrible at time because when I'm playing it there, it's different because to me it sounded okay, but then you get a drum beat and stuff like that and it's, oh, I got to change. I got to speed it up or slow Mm -hmm. it down. Did you write with like a drum beat or like a metronome or anything like that? No, I'm actually, um, the metronome is kind of a stranger to me right now. (laughs) It's just (laughs) a stranger to me. I hate click tracks. I can't stand click tracks. Metronomes, I think they're great in the professional world when you want someone to lay down a tight track, um, especially with an analog instrument. Um, But right now, I'd say the the metronome is a stranger to me. But I do want it to become my friend sometime soon because I know that if I want to get into into the professional world, I'm going to have to be able to play to a click track pretty well and i i do feel like i have um decent timing okay just i because i have that natural like i've always been rhythmic like uh, with i think that proper dance yeah the dancing counting and dancing yeah yeah because i started with dance so i feel like i have that rhythmic instinct already already in me so i feel like i have decent timing but i think using a metronome is definitely uh smart if you want to go down a certain route um but right now, yeah, I'm lacking in the metronome department. <laughs> I wouldn't sweat that too much. But like so with your dancing, it, it, you know that you know how how do you count in dancing? How's it goes? Like eight? Yeah, eight it's count? the eight. Yeah, it's okay. the eight, and then you just start over. What if you're doing like to a, to like a swing? Does it still count to eight? Like, um, you know that's a good question. 
That's it, a really good We're talking about timing and like, we're, you know, you write music is three, four Yeah, times, like so when you write in three, four, you go like a one, two, three. So um, in dance, I, I haven't really danced to anything in swing before. You know, okay. a hip hop dancer, most hip hop songs are just four, four yeah. all the way through. So I don't know. But if you had to go into like the waltz and stuff, I think that would be in three, four, just counting in threes. Okay. I'm curious now. I'm, I have to, Me I have too. To I have to go see like how they chor- choreograph a waltz dance. Because that's, I think, what, I think on a radio it's, it's different when you hear something like uh, mm-hmm. a waltz. You don't hear it much anymore, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. Um, when you play, what kind of music do you, I know I ask people, it's kind of weird when you, what kind of music do you classify mm-hmm. it as? Do you have like a genre that you're kind of in or just? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, this is become kind of a new cliche between young writers and especially like bedroom producers and writers and Mm -hmm. bedroom pop how people don't want to be put into labels or boxes and like that and so you know i love that i'm on that i'm on that train definitely but i think that genres are needed to be able to classify music like it needs to be yeah um because i think without without classification it would just be this one big sea of you know, like like a mess where you want to know how to first time i ever heard bedroom pop i like that that name yeah bedroom (laughs) pop it's it's great, but if I had to put a label on my music in general, I'd probably say alternative okay. um, to alternative rock and some alternative pop. Um, it's mostly just guitar-based right now, but I definitely see myself in the future going a lot more experimental um, electronic route. Okay. Because I, I started listening to music, uh, electronic music, like EDM. Okay. And I loved dubstep and all that kind of stuff. That was the, the, the rave back maybe nine years ago so that is where i got my main start and when i started listening to music but over time since i learned the guitar i've been into a lot of guitar music like alternative rock and art rock and stuff like that um but mostly before i instead of sweating any type of label or type of genre i want my music to fit into i just want it to be interesting okay like that's what i care about more than anything any type of agenda that i want to stick to you know the only agenda i want to stick to is being interesting and being um trying to make something that will keep people's attention okay what do you want to play a song for us then yeah sure thing let's do one so uh let me get my guitar right here and like i said it's funny when i do these every time because i'll edit some of this out because of the the space and stuff yeah but uh i get some of the most interesting conversations in between the takes i'm like you got to tell me that when i'm recording it and i don't have to edit out all the sounds that's funny let me get your guitar sound going see what you got go ahead and hands are a bit chilly go yeah ahead. i see you over there shivering <laughs> my wife said i'll put a heater up here i'm like uh if you put a heater up here i think it would last one day and then everything would burn down so it's like no no thank you <laughs> Sound good? Sound good. Sound what good song do you, you want to do for us? Okay, well, let me uh, make sure my guitar doesn't hit the arm of this chair, or else that'll be a big a big no-no during the song. But Yeah, I have these big, I used to have these big red chairs that I put up here, but they're so, they're big and bulky for one. They're too heavy to carry up here without my trailer, and my trailer needs a new tire. But trying to play guitar in them is even harder because the arm's like way up here, so you're like sitting mm-hmm. on the edge trying to play. Yeah, the classic, you have to scoot to the very edge. Yep. Ooh, love that. Major sevens are my favorite chord to play. Okay. But anyway, I've got a gift for you, actually, because the song, I think they just fell on the floor, actually. Or no, they didn't. Let me see. 
There they are. So the song I'll be playing is uh, my debut single that I just released about a month ago. It's called Jim. Okay. And so I've got some Jim picks here. Oh, nice. So Do you need it? Or you got your own? I've got picks? my own. Oh, nice. But that's my little token of appreciation for having me here. Thank you. You're the first person to actually bring me anything. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Dang. But, uh, so listen up, future guest. He <laughs> yes. set the bar high. You have to bring a gift. Gifts are awesome. Always gift people. So this song I released about a month ago. And uh, if you have been keeping up with me since I started or any time uh, in the past month, then you'll know about Jim. And uh, I recently did a little written interview about Jim on the music blog called Dope Cause We Said. Okay. So if you check out all my social media, um, then it'll be there for you to get a little behind the scenes about the song. Uh, if any of it isn't mentioned right here, but the song is a reworking of the typical love song okay because here i'll give a little story before i play so my first two songs that i ever wrote they were about a romantic relationship mm -hmm. and as you can probably already assume like you're 13 years old right then <laughs> you know that's about three years ago you just started because <laughs> i wrote like my first song uh maybe about a week after i got lessons you know just okay. tried to do a d a g um but they were about romantic relationships, you know, with the girl. Yeah. And after I was singing them for a, for a minute and maybe performed them for my family one time, I, I thought, what am I doing? This isn't the truth. <laughs> and I just didn't want to express myself in an untruthful way. Okay. I didn't want to lie to people because I want all that I sing or all that I say to be the truth. Okay. Um, and I think that's really important and... Uh, a big inspiration to me is uh, Billie Eilish. I don't know if you've uh, seen her around, but she's like blown up in the past oh, yeah. year. But she's super popular, and I'm sure all of you guys know about her. But uh, my little girl loves her music. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. It's uh, pretty progressive. Uh, but anyway, she said that she said something pretty controversial um, recently, and it was that modern rap music is full of lies. Mm -hmm. And I sort of agree with it and sort of don't because she was basically saying that that kind of degrades the genre for her because, you know, a lot of um, aspiring rappers, they might talk about their material wealth or their assets and uh, yeah. not be very truthful to make it sound um, a bit more, um, they embellish it a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if you're playing a character then it's okay to embellish or make up a story because, you know, not everyone's going to have the most exciting life where they can just right. tell these awesome stories and it's all true. Yep. Um, so I think that it's definitely, um, it, it, it depends. But for me, I definitely don't want to sing about a relationship um, unless I've really been in one because I can't really relate to it. Right. But I can still try to emphasize and I can still try to, you know, make a story if I want to, like a fictional story. Mm -hmm. But Jim is a twist on the love song because I thought, well, if I'm not going to sing just about, um, you know, any experiences that I haven't had yet, then I want to make a twist on it. And Jim is a love song, but it's taken in every sense of the word. It is a song about love, okay. not a song about loving one person. Because I've always thought that, and this view has been increasingly um, relevant to me in my mind since I wrote this song, is that um, love, especially in a song, shouldn't be boiled down between two people. Okay. It should be between anything and anyone, and for anyone. So, 
jam is about the feeling of love for anything or anyone. Nice. So here we go, and you can find the song on all streaming services and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, download it, and because uh, it's yeah. available now, right? It is available now. We've got much more to come, but without any further ado, this is a song I like to call Gem. reality it really meant something to me you were there right then with me and oh I'm told to love everyone and that life is not always fun but it is with you yeah people may assume but I don't my life is only mine And yeah, I may assume That I am working hard To stop going too far And oh, in a world made of stone You are a gem, you are my and oh, in a world that is crashing down, I'll be safe and sound with you. Roaming without a clue, without a comfort and much to lose. Didn't know what to do, but now I know what to do. Yeah, cause I found a shine, something to fix me inside, something to take me aside that won't leave me behind and just leave me in my life. And oh, in a world made of stone, you are a gem, you are my gem.
I'll be safe and sound with you. Nice. Thank you so much. So yeah, that was Jim. You have grown so much from when I first saw you in Bowl Ground to now. Thank you so much. Really, really, yes, really good. It's definitely been a been a fun journey so far, and I hope it's able to you know continue for uh, a long time. Yeah. Because Ball Ground, you saw me basically like at the very very start right. of my whole performing life. So um, I'm glad that you know uh, someone was able to see yeah. that I've improved at least a little bit. Oh yeah, a lot. Thank you so a much. Lot. That and really means a lot. You get more confidence. You play out, and uh, yeah. like I said, you're. Are you writing? How many songs have you written so far that you've finished? Uh, maybe around twenty. Okay, so maybe you have enough for a set. Yeah, I do. I I do covers as well. So okay. I uh, I have enough to fill around three hours. Oh, nice. Um, three hours or so, and that's about as long as people will, you know, yeah. give you a set for. So. I think if you're able to do around three hours, you're kind of covered Yeah. for most things. But um, Now, do you actually remember them, or do you have, like, the little... I remember them. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of giving myself a unspoken rule that I don't want to, you know, read. Yeah. Um, and I have absolutely no problem with people who do, you know, read off lyrics or read chords. Um, I think it's... The only way I could see myself um, doing that is if I'm taking a request. Okay. Because then, if you want to learn a song on a whim, oh, yeah. then it would be great to have the <laughs> free bird, have the chords and lyrics there. So, um, but anyway, if I'm doing a cover, then I've memorized it pretty okay. much. Well, that's good. that's good advice. I mean, because I know a lot of people use it, um, the, the iPads and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Even my singer, he'll use uh, his phone. I told him, I said, if you're going to use the phone, you need to kind of make it where you're not looking at it directly mm -hmm. so it doesn't look like you're looking at it yeah and in a way like this just goes for me like i can't speak for anyone else and i definitely am not um saying this about anyone else who does um read lyrics or anything but i feel like for me it would put like a a barrier in between me and the audience yeah like if i was reading the lyrics i couldn't really put all my thought into emotion emotion yeah i would have to be thinking to sing the right lyric um so uh, that's the reason why I don't really want to do that for myself um, because I think audience connection is the number one thing Yeah, um, for sure. And even like I'm sure it is for everyone else who does read lyrics as well. Like I'm not saying that audience connection isn't their number one priority, but yeah. I feel like for me it would hinder the connection. Yeah, and some of the gigs that they're doing, I mean, I get it because they're background noise, so it's a good way yeah. to practice your, your stuff. And the more that you play these out over and over, you'll remember them. Yeah. Like I have a... I keep, I read them because I have a hard time remembering anyway. I was mm. knocked out when I was little, and I've always had a hard hard memory to try to remember anything. Mm -hmm. But the more I play them, the more I actually remember them. So yeah, that's I think true. That's, I think that's well with anybody. So, yeah, like I said, a lot of people will take requests, and, yeah, if you want somebody to play Wagon Wheel or, you know, the, the big requests that come out now, you want to know what it is. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite? water bottle over. Can uh, you hear that? <laughs> yeah, you probably can. Uh, what's your favorite cover to do? My favorite cover to play is for sure the song Face <laughs> the song Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, because Radiohead is my favorite band, I'd say. Arguably, I've got a few that come close or tie, but Radiohead has always been my number one. I think where you want to go with your music, Radiohead is probably a good guide for it. For sure, for sure. I think um 
they're my biggest influence. Okay. Tom York, um, their lead singer and songwriter, is definitely my biggest influence. I got you. Yeah, I, I've only only songs there that I really know is Creep. Everybody knows that. Yeah, Creep. Creep is their most popular, and uh, the Radiohead community, a lot of them. Uh, Look down upon it because Radioheads and Radiohead themselves hate the song pretty much. <laughs> they haven't played it live in like forever. Um, That's usually how it works too. Is is the most popular song that you have would be the least favorite one that you want to play? Yeah, I think that they just got bored of it really fast. Yeah, and uh, started to despise it. But I still, I still give it credit. I think it was their most popularly influential track yeah, you know because it, it's like shaped the whole 90s scene yeah and i'm sure they're not tired of that residual check that comes in their mail each <laughs> yeah <month>. that's true <laughs> too got the royalty checks mailbox money baby that's that's what you want that is what you want as a songwriter uh even as an artist i mean if you can get your stuff set into music or into movies and stuff like that every time it's played you're getting paid so mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that every songwriter will dream of, of doing that's true yeah so and, he, and even yourself, I mean, mm-hmm. so. For sure. You know, and I've always, people have always throw around the term one hit wonder, you know, oh, kind of yeah. in like a. Chumbawamba. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> like a dismissive way, like, oh, they're just a one hit wonder, you know, but I think I'd be completely happier than anybody with a one right. hit wonder. Because I got one more hit than I have. <laughs> I've, I'd be completely fine with the one hit wonder because at least you still made a mark. Yeah. And I think you can make a mark without being popular. I think you can make a mark on somebody by just existing. Yeah. Um, just putting your songs out there is enough to make a mark. But definitely, if I had a one-hit wonder, that would I think that would be one of the greatest things. Yeah. You know, because I think that dismissing someone as a one-hit wonder is kind of disrespectful to their to their work. Mm-hmm. Like because they've put a lot of effort into it and just getting that one hit yeah. is a lot more than a lot of people ever get that's true like i said more, more than ever ever had and a lot of people get metallica a hard time when they cut their hair mm. you know but mm-hmm. it's still metallica who cares about the hair the hair yeah. is short but they're still playing great music i never exactly. understood that stuff yeah i definitely i i agree with that because i think anyone can do whatever they want with their looks pretty much yeah and well once you get into, once you get into the business they're going to kind of direct you which way that you want to go yeah because people get used to a certain image and yeah. I think that can be troublesome sometimes because I've even thought about before, like with my style, that if I want to evolve one day, then if, if let's say that while I'm doing guitar-based music, I had a stroke of luck or, um, or I got a chance to get a popular song yeah. or just any type of fan base that uh, made me some type of household name. Right. And then I decided, you know, this guitar thing, I want to put it on hold for a while and I want to try out some some rap track, (laughs) just for instance. And that's the problem with it, because it can limit you from wanting to um, try out new avenues because your fan base are uh, they've seen this one image for years and years. And it, it could potentially, you know, cause some fans to maybe step away from yeah. what you're doing. Taylor Swift is a good example of that because she, mm-hmm. as much crap as she gets, she mm-hmm. is a smart woman. Really is. She, she great songwriter. And she had country. And she wanted to, to branch out, and then she started doing um, more pop music is what I guess yeah. they consider it. Mm-hmm. And then some of her stuff has got weird. I mean, she mm-hmm. kind of got away from what made her Taylor Swift, but she still, as far as marketing herself mm-hmm. and keeping her fan base, you, you can't deny what she's done. 
Yeah, I think that she's definitely one of the best examples of someone who has been able to have a metamorphosis Mm -hmm. and be able to come out, you know, still as strong. Yeah. And there's some people like Garth Brooks who tried that and it didn't work so well. Yeah, there's some people who (laughs) try and it doesn't work so well. And I feel for them because, you know, I'm sure they have the best of, you know, intentions. Yeah. And they really want to be able to express themselves in a different way. Yeah. But unfortunately, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I'm, I'm aware of the fact that it might not work out for me as well in any type of way. Um, but definitely, if I got some type of popularity more than what it already is on what I do right now and then wanted to change it. Yeah. But I think I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah. Because that's far in the future right now. I think you should grow as an artist. You want to grow. And and you said something earlier that actually that will help you in that situation because you said you want to stay true to the song. You don't want to sing a song Mm -hmm. about something that you don't know about Mm -hmm. you know and as a a singer songwriter they they do it different but as a singer sometimes you have to do it that way but you want to connect it in one way or another yeah and i think if you can find the connection in a song then you can use that because some of the best artists don't write their own songs i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of them still do and they still get into it because it's a whole different avenue to write than it is just to play Mm -hmm. but if you can figure out an easy balance between them i think that's when you you make more of a mark, say, yeah, than I agree. Look like the Beatles. Yeah, for sure. And so. huge shout out to all these songwriters who spent, you know, countless hours behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, perfecting these songs for these big names to sing. Yeah. And uh, I also have nothing against, you know, accepting a song from someone else because I think it's a great chance to um, have a relationship with someone and you can get a lot of good um, material and work out of it. Um, but huge shout out to those people because you know they spend their lives behind the scenes but most of them don't want to be not behind the scenes yeah most of them don't want to um be in the public eye yeah um and that's perfectly fine too you know i've i've considered before being a songwriter in that way but i think that's a completely different that's a completely different mindset yeah like Making a song that is trying to be a pop hit is a completely different mindset than sitting in your room and making a folk story. Mm-hmm. And I've always said to myself, um, this is kind of my, my train of thought, my philosophy, and anyone can be feel free to disagree with it or uh, anything like that. But my philosophy is songs that I write for myself are going to be for for the heart. Yeah. For the soul. Songs that I write for work or you know writing it to try to be a pop hit, that's for that's for the mind. You yeah. know, cuz you're thinking about it, you're thinking what elements of this song is going to make it relatable right. and uh fit in with all the other pop hits. What element of this song is going to make it uh shoot to the top of the charts. So I think that's when you're putting your mind into it and yeah. that's what you have to do when you're making uh when you're trying to write for a a pop artist making a pop hit um and you can definitely combine both like there's definitely been many 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 top pop songs that come from the heart as well yeah um but i think if you're going into a room specifically saying by the time we leave here today we're gonna have a hit song Mm -hmm. that's not just coming from the heart and that leads me into my other kind of rule or not really a rule. I keep saying rule, but it's just this, uh, like, I haven't really ever told myself these things, like, you are going to do it like this. It's just yeah. the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that I say is just the way I feel right now. But 
I have told myself, like, I've never really gone into a room intentionally trying to write a song. Okay. Like, I've never really tried to write a song. And that sounds like, like, I'm not meaning it in a way that it is super easy or, like, I don't Mm -hmm. put any effort into it. But I've never sat, I've never walked into my bedroom and said, by the time I leave here, I'm going to have a song. It's always just been, I walk into my bedroom, pick up the instrument and just start playing. Don't think about it. Just don't, don't think about it. And then whatever my ear attaches to first, whatever my ear picks up on, um, I could be doing anything. I could have my phone set up with a YouTube video yeah, and I could be listening to that and just playing. And then the second that the YouTube video starts to fade out and what I'm playing starts to fade in, it's normally something that I pay attention to. And so that's how I get my songs. But I mostly consider myself kind of an ideaist at some points. And uh, that term's kind of funny, but it means that you're pretty much really good at starting songs. Okay. Not not very good at finishing them. And every songwriter has something. They're, they're really good at lyrics. Maybe they're really good at melody. And that's where co-writing comes in place, mm-hmm. too. And the problem I have with the pop songs isn't so much the song itself. It's just that that song took five or six people to write. Mm-hmm. But as songwriting, if somebody's in the room and you're writing a song, by the code is they're part of it. Yeah. So I mean, I I love co-writing. That's mm-hmm. what you're talking about songwriting. That's why I brought down the uh, TSAI from Nashville, which is a songwriting mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. And you talked about you would take somebody's song and play it as yourself, and that's and that's actually good because the people that are listening here maybe they don't play out or maybe they play out because they have to mm-hmm. and the fact that you will listen to somebody's song and play it because your voice may be what their song needs mm-hmm. like because when when I, I write every song i write for the band alan sings most of them uh-huh. and most of some of the songs he can't sing because it will not fit his voice so there's certain songs that that fit mm-hmm. and i've been thinking about doing like for for the guest doing a kind of like a, a CD collection almost, like a uh-huh. like a greatest hits. Yeah. Uh, so write songs and have the guest pick the song they want to sing, sing it, and then I'll take it to uh, the producer and get it produced and have it put out as yeah, a Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, so that's awesome. I'll send you one. I'll be more than happy to send you one. Thank you, you so much. It. I'd love to be a part of it. I just got to think, what, what, what kind of my, one of my songs would actually work for you? Because, again, you, as you mm. pitch, and that goes to pitching songs, is you got to find the right avenue like you yeah like i couldn't send you a beer drinking song because you're not mm. old enough to drink you're not gonna know anything about it yeah that's maybe true. dad could <laughs> maybe dad <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's definitely why you should probably it's a good idea to have some type of label attached to yourself you know even if that's not the ideal world you want to be in even mm-hmm. that's not the ideal you know industry uh standard that you want to be in you know because you can you can have hopes uh, of being genreless one day, yeah. but I think for now, if you want to be in the industry, you've kind of you have to have some type of a label, or else no one's going to know what to do with you, really. Yeah, as an artist, but as a yeah. songwriter, you can write anything. Oh yeah, for sure. As a songwriter, I mean, like if you're trying to um, make a name for yourself, yeah, you know, or trying to get hired anywhere, right? Because like, like you, your your alternative, I can hear the what you're talking about in the Radiohead. Yeah, I can I can kind of hear the that '90s alternative mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Um, 
not the heavier stuff like Nirvana and things like that. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Are you looking for a band? Do you have a band set up to play with or you just go out and play by yourself right now? That's a good question. Play? Right now I play by myself, but I am in need of some sort of backing band. Okay. You know, even if it's just like a work for hire one time, you know, basis, I would like to have some type of backing band. Because you see, the issue here is that I write and play most of the instruments myself like on my songs so when i'm recording it's basically all me okay and there's upsides and downsides to that because you know the upsides is you don't have to you know work with anyone else's schedule or they might be busy or you know exactly what you want so you don't have to spend the time teaching it to someone Mm -hmm. um because even if someone is a really fast learner that still takes up time and you know in this industry time is money so um that's an upside. You're able to just go in there and get the part done that you've been practicing, and there you go. But the downside is that um, since you're by yourself, then you have to go out and play it by yourself all the time. Yeah. And I love playing, even if it's by myself. I have no nothing against that. But if your record has 10 instruments going on at one time in the song, then most likely people are going to want to hear it yeah. how it is in the record. So it would be nice to have at least a backing band of, you know, maybe three other people. So I'm able to just provide a little taste, a, a piece involving more layers. Have you uh, tried Looper? Can you do use Looper? I haven't actually delved into the world of looping yet. Okay. Um, I really would like a Looper someday. I haven't really just, I haven't really thought about it that much. But it would be a good idea because, you know, some people like Ed Sheeran, for example, are able to just go up there and make it sound like a whole yeah. band. And I've always been fascinated in that stuff. Again, with well, my timing, when I started figuring out the timing, I, I'm horrible with the looper. So it takes me a minute to get the, because it's one, two, three, four. Then you yeah. step on it. Because I would always like one, two, three, and step on four. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you got to do the whole cycle or it's not going to sound uh-huh. right. So practice on it. And like I said, with what you play, and you can use the harmonics, the guitar, you can play lead yeah. over it, you can play. So, do you use it. loopers like out and about? Not out and about. I've been practicing with a band in okay. the garage for it. But like I said, now I've actually got a drummer that stayed with me, and I've got an electric guitarist for the lead. And then, That's great, uh, yeah. Alan, and I got the bass, and I do all the acoustic and stuff like that. That's awesome. So, yeah, it sounds like you've got it, you know, all finally, set and ready to go. It took me two, it took two years to do it, too, because it was. Mm-hmm. Going, I told, I make jokes with my bandmates. I could do a mockumentary on my band for all the people that's come and gone through the door. <laughs> I could. That's great. I could have like two or three different lead guitars, like two different drummers. You know, that's it'd great. be funny. That's and some be, good publicity, too. That's, and that's exactly why I would do it, like my own Spinal Tap movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Do you want to do another song for us? Yeah, sure thing. And I, where did you get your picks made? The picks were actually a gift from my producer and his wife. Okay. Um, yeah, Eric and Melanie Stallings at the Groove Studio. They uh, surprised me because they do a little, um, they do a showcase show called the Groove Palooza. Okay. Um, and it's because he's a he's a guitar teacher too. That's where I started. So all his guitar students, okay, like put on a show, and it, it it's great. But I also perform in it because I've just been a been a student of his for the past few years and have been helping out. Um, his name so, is Eric. Yeah, Eric, Eric Stallings. Okay. And Eric, if you're listening to this, uh, I want to shoot me an email or something. I would love to know where you got that because mine, I have it just as Yes Ma'am. They're black with just the word uh, Yes Ma'am on them. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they made it for me. They surprised me with them, and it was great. That's nice. And now he gave me one, so everybody, like I said, the, the bar has been set. I accept all kinds of stuff. <laughs> What's something you'd like to do for us now? I think 
that I'll perform a little song I like to call Sighted. Is there a story behind it? There is a story behind it. So, here, before I... You can tell I'm a songwriter. I always like to li- I listen to the stories behind the songs because I think yeah. it's interesting. So, normally, to be honest with you, normally I don't say much to introduce a song uh-huh. um, because I know that when I hear other people explain their songs, especially if it's, you know, a in-depth explanation, then I get a little bit tuned out. Yeah. Um, no pun intended. But I get a little bit tuned out because I feel like I now I'm thinking of them. Because I think songs should be, when you're listening to a song, it should relate to you. You yeah. should feel something about yourself. But if I hear someone say that this song was about this person that they had an experience with, now when I hear the song, I'm thinking about their experience. So then it goes from, instead of being about your experience, it goes from theirs. And I think that songs are best when you're able to relate to them. Yeah. Um, but cited is kind of the exact opposite emotion of Jim because Jim, as as the band The Cure would say about their hit Friday I'm in Love, it's very out there in happy land. <laughs> um, that's what they say about that song. So that's kind of my same thing for Jim. It's very out there in happy land. Okay. It's probably the happiest song I have in my whole collection at this point. Um, Jim's probably the peak um, happy summery pop song that I have right now. Mm-hmm. I'll probably make a lot more in the in the future, but right now it's probably the peak. But Sided, Sided is another emotion being represented because I've got an upcoming uh, record, a whole full-length record coming out probably late this summer, and each song is representing a different emotion, okay, a different feeling, a different atmosphere. And all my songs, I kind of imagine them as little bubbles, little bubbles like a dream almost, how they each have their own... Uh, setting to go with it their own um, their own color their own scents like their own fragrance like they all have this different world created for them that you can branch off from it's a very I know it's probably a little bit abstract but I like to think of things that way it makes it fun you know I don't like to just think this is a song I just wrote I like to think this is a whole little universe in itself that it fits into and so Sighted is basically the emotion of anxiety. Okay. And not feeling like you're safe. Gotcha. And it's, as you'll hear in the lyrics, it's about comparing humans to a bird. <laughs> you know, I had one night, I was like, what if I just compare humans to a bird? Like a Georgia songbird. The Georgia songbirds. <laughs> um, the Georgia songbirds don't make me anxious, but <laughs> birds. Makes me anxious sometimes. <laughs> But birds, especially birds in a hunting zone, they don't know whether they're going to be shot down or not. Mm-hmm. So I thought for humans, sometimes we can feel like that as well. You okay. don't know what's going to come around the corner. So it's a very it's a very serious matter. Definitely a lot of contrast on my record going from one song to the next. But I think that keeps it interesting, at least for me. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. Good thing about these, like you can make your warm up with the headphone back on. Yeah, you're, you got the ear warmers. <laughs> you got more hair than I do, so your hair can kind of cover you. That's true. Yeah, I probably stay warm with that as well. Now, I saw your video you did too uh, while yes. you were turning that up. Where did you get your video done? Did Miles do that? No, the video is actually uh, directed and filmed by two local directors. Their names are Rexway and KK Media. Okay. 
and the video actually I haven't talked about it yet but go check out the video if you like the song Gem because I think the video um, the video expands upon the whole mood and atmosphere of Gem but I got the video filmed uh, here in Woodstock okay just right um, near downtown and specifically in a parking lot but the video was so fun because I'm a big I'm a very big visuals person yeah like I think that any visuals attached to a song should be um, should be complementing it. Like it, it should match perfectly. And if it doesn't, then it kind of does a disservice to the song for me sometimes. And that's a, also a big argument, like album covers. Some people don't care what they look like. It mm-hmm. doesn't affect them. Some people do. I'm definitely in the more I care about them because I think visuals you see them before you hear a song yeah. any any type of song there's going to be some type of cover if you're going to a show there's going to be a poster outside first the visuals are what prepares you for what kind of mood you're going to be yeah. going into so i think the visuals have to match and i uh think rexway and kk media they were able to do a great job at um explaining gem through a video yeah, and I'm the same way because as, as a songwriter, when I'm playing my song and I write it after it's done, then I start visualizing what the video should look like. Yeah, every time, exactly. and it's like, oh, I could do this, but then okay, but it costs this. Okay, forget that then. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stock footage, man. Like stock footage, you can do a lot with that. So mm-hmm. if you uh, have these crazy ideas, they're awesome ideas, and you could probably find some stock footage that might uh, fit your ideas. Okay. Um, yeah, I've I've been planning on doing some stock footage videos for some of my future songs. Um so yeah, try that out. But anyway, this song is called Sighted. I don't know if my whole cold hands will be able to keep up with this. Because <laughs> Jim's pretty easy chord wise. Okay. It's only three chords, actually. You know, 'cause it's kinda crazy because hearing the song like the studio version, there's so many layers. Uh-huh. You know, it, it it's like that's only three chords. But then when you play it live, it's like that is three chords. Right. Some of the best songs are easy. That's true. The tuning song. The The tuning song. There's a joke um, for Radiohead fans. It said that Radiohead fans, they'd clap after Radiohead tuned their guitars for a minute. (laughs) Because they think it's a song. That's funny. Because their songs are kind of strange sometimes. Yeah, Pink Floyd was like that too. Yeah, Pink Floyd, that's another one of my favorite bands all time. That's probably tied with Radiohead to be quite honest. That's my dad's favorite was Pink Floyd. Good taste. And a one, two, three, four. And I wanna be be like the birds who's watching over us and life they preserve and I want to see see like the birds in view of so much so much to observe 
observing and getting scared Maybe we're already them Observing and flying with our kin And I might be sighted but I never know if I am And I might be slighted Yeah, struck down by man And if I'm hiding Then I know that I dodged a thread And then I'll go on seeing myself just get over it again Over it again I wanna feel like never before and accomplish some things before I go and I wanna cry cry out my face yeah, just like a bird So free it may not escape Yeah, maybe we're already there Observing and getting scared Maybe we're already them Observing and flying with our kin And I might be sighted But I never know if I am And I might be slighted yeah, struck down by man And if I'm hiding Then I know that I dodged a thread And then I'll go on seeing myself Just get over it again Over it might be sighted, but I never know if I am. Good job. <laughs>
Thank you. That was fun. Yeah, I can tell when you start doing all those chords and sliding and codes. Yeah, like, I oh, love man. that stuff. <laughs> I love that stuff. I love all those. Um, I'm a very big fan of exotic chords. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong, and I love songs that are able to use, you know, uh, open chords and that stuff. But I'm just, it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't think I'm very good at writing songs that just use open chords. Okay. Like, I, it's like I, I, I have to use exotic chords, but in, in the meantime, I love them at the same time. Yep. But it actually, I feel like it's harder to write a song using easy chords see i'm right. the opposite maybe because i more i'm more worried about when i'm playing like exotic chords trying to figure out how to play it and not screw it up so uh, i'm thinking more about yeah. that than the song at the time so i was like where am i and i'll get lost in the song like shit where am i at and then change <laughs> it's something. definitely their shapes can be they can take a lot to like memorize yeah you know like i had to um memorize all the shapes and stuff and i don't think that's a bad idea especially like for beginners in guitar mm-hmm some people go their whole life just relying on shapes. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of me too. Cause like this chord right here, well, that's just an E, <laughs> but something like this, that's got a longish name. Mm-hmm. And while I could tell you if I stared and looked at the guitar, you know, I don't think it's necessary for you to be able to be like, oh, this is a F sharp minor seven add nine. You know, yeah. like if you're just going off of shapes just by sound, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And some people have been able to write crazy good songs. Oh, yeah. And then you start talking about tuning when they start doing like open G. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, Kurt, oh, yeah. you know Kurt Wheeler? Yeah. He showed me, he just saw like an open, the guitar's open G. And I was like, wow. I, I couldn't figure it. I tried to do one song that we were practicing in open G. And I'm like, no, no, I quit. I'm not going to try that Open anymore. tunies are so nice, but they're like, they're a huge pain to deal with, especially if you're playing live because... Yeah. For instance, one of my biggest inspirations is Nick Drake mm-hmm. um, and Elliot Smith. And Nick Drake, especially, he uses these crazy open tunings like for all of his songs. And he's kind of the pioneer of inventing some of the open tunings used on acoustic guitar. But um, his stuff is like so, so great and so fun to play, but they're just a pain. Like mm-hmm. I've said, you know, I could learn this song, but there's no way I'm going to play it live because every single one has a different tuning. And, yeah. like, tuning multiple strings down, like, whole steps or even more than a whole step. They have... Have you seen the spider capos? Yeah, those are awesome. I, I want to get one. That would help on something like that. That would. Doing weird tunings. That would. You'd probably have to, like, play it a key up because then, like, when you place the capo, the ones that are down would be, like, the, the nut. Yeah. But then the ones that are... Um, open would be like below it yeah so but that would still be good because nick drake's songs are like he sings it pretty low <laughs> but yeah if you haven't listened to nick drake go listen to him because he's a like a cult classic kind of okay. songwriter you know i've been writing recently i've been doing a lot of um like just acoustic stuff mm-hmm. that i plan to record almost all just acoustically just okay. me and my guitar and that's what nick did for his album pink moon okay it was literally he just walked in there and sat down with his one acoustic guitar and did the whole thing through one take pretty much one take and that is just so inspirational to me okay because i think people who are able to do that to just it feels so intimate mm-hmm. and like so skeletal in a way because just a man and his guitar there's like there's something so delicate about that and so um dear about that yeah and so i think it would be 
really really cool one day if I if I could just sit down and just record a nice little um, just nice little intimate acoustic album. Have you ever seen those harp guitars? Harp guitar. Harp guitar. I don't think I've heard of a harp guitar. A harp guitar is a buddy of mine. His name is Steve Farmer mm-hmm. in Atlanta. He he's no fi- uh, retired firefighter. He plays it. He says he doesn't play like it's supposed to be, but you can look at it. It's H A R P. Basically, it's four bass strings, and then you got the regular six string guitar underneath it. Wow, that's so it's crazy. got a harp guitar. So that's ten strings. Yeah, that's it is. Crazy. It is crazy, and it's it's. It's like playing a bass on top of the guitar and at the same time, and you ought to watch some of the videos. That's crazy. They had one guy did some Pink Floyd that way, and it was awesome how he did it. Wow, I got to check that out. It was really cool, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, he brought it to a songwriter thing one time, and mm-hmm. we are playing around on it, and I can kind of do it, but not like the other guys were Wow, were I've got to check that out because I've seen a lot of guitars that are like, you know, gimmick guitars where it's yeah. like, Oh, this has uh, you know, twenty strings on it. Taylor makes an eight string now. Have you seen it? I have not. They they had one at Guitar Center, um, in Marietta, the big guitar center. That's they crazy. They had an eight string Taylor. I'm like, I like Taylor, but why would you put eight string? But I thought, whatever, if you wanted, if that's yeah. what you want to do. To each his own. Right. You know, I can't really see myself using eight strings, but no. if it sounded good, maybe. But I feel like that's kind of expensive, if I assume correctly. Yeah, I mean, why? Well, it's a Taylor, so it wasn't much more than a regular Taylor. Uh, but yeah. um, I mean, you. You, what's what you can't do with six strings on it? I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, but they got five string basses, so people mm-hmm. add just more bass to it. So yeah, I five string strong. basses kind of make more sense to me because you're able to tune the lower string to like, uh, like half an octave lower than the regular bass. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just want something lower than the lowest E. You're like, ah, oh, I can't get it on a regular bass, but yeah, they're cool. Yeah, my uh, my bass just plays a four string. I, I don't think he's ready for five yet. He's he's like <laughs> it's definitely this. a big jump. He, he's learning pentatonic and stuff on the bass for ah, it now, yeah. which is cool stuff. Bass is so fun. Like honestly, I think I might like playing bass more than I play guitar. I actually once we started like I started the band and we started playing more bass. I could write better with the bass. I once I started hearing the bass and get in the song, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I know where to go now with the guitar because I could mm-hmm. hear it. Yeah. It's a whole lot different. Like, I can play bass and guitar. You talk about all these other instruments. You can play a lot, right? What all can you play? I play guitar, bass guitar. I um, sing, obviously. Um, I play drums, and I can dabble in piano. Okay. Um, I'm actually going for my first actual piano lesson tomorrow. Oh, okay. But, um, because I want to be able to play, you know, like classical stuff too. Yeah. I want to be able to do all the greats, Mozart, Beethoven, that kind of stuff. Wow, and that, now that's a lofty goal right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, baby steps, right? Right. Oh, let's step on the Mozart. I'm, I'm teaching my. I can only play three chords at a time on a piano. That's all I can do. That's about and me key right of C. now. If it's out of the key of C, I have a hard time doing it. That's <laughs> literally about me right now because I got, I got a MIDI controller, and so it's like a keyboard, but it is controlling MIDI sounds like on a digital audio workstation. And uh, I'm able to use it for that. Okay. But I'm basically, it's kind of the difference between typing on a keyboard, you know? Like little kids, they peck with two fingers. I still do that. Well, I just do one. I still did it up until like a year ago, but I finally just was like, you know what, I'm just going to learn how to type. But it's like the difference between you know, pecking with two fingers or using your whole hand. Yeah. Um, so on a piano, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still pecking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can just do a little like, you know, eight note scale in the key of C and that's about it. Now you're still, are you, you're still in school, I take it, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do they have typing class anymore? 
no. He, why are you looking like no? I don't. When think I was so. in high school, they had typing. You had that's one of the things uh-huh. you had to take. So like the keyboard, because everybody wants to see how fast you can type. And yeah. to to get the to pass, you had to have like you had to be able to type sixty words a minute, mm-hmm. right? So the whole thing was like they were teaching where everything was, and you could just go in and doing it. Yeah, I could go faster. Doing that with one finger, and that then was I could actually me all. for a while because I do the they have like online typing uh test like speed tests, yep. and I could get well above sixty words per minute just with my two fingers. Yep. But um, I eventually, you know, just said. I bet your dad would know. I bet when he was younger, they had typing classes in high school, right? Yeah. I, I said it to him, and he's like, "I don't think so." <laughs> Not now, <laughs> that's for sure. I don't think my kids would know what a typewriter would be if I put one in front of them. They're like, oh, what is this? Or a rotary phone. That's what yeah. I've seen those videos rotary where phone. they put rotary phones in front of people and they're like, I just work. It's you know, I just laughed at it, but I'd probably do the exact same thing. <laughs> um, well, that's yeah. all right. I'd, you throw some of the newer equipment in front of me, I'd be like the, I'd be like the older man trying to figure out, what does this do? <laughs> you know, yeah. I like Twitter. I can't figure that out to save my you life. Know, I haven't really used... What I do is like... When I make a, a social media post, like I do all at the same time. Yeah. But Twitter is Twitter's a riot sometimes, you know. <laughs> I forget uh, my passwords. <laughs> same thing. I mean, there's a there's a <clears throat> argument between whether you should use the same thing for everyone, but that's less safe. But it makes you remember it a lot yeah. more. Um, <laughs> I think you maybe just use something that reminds you of whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. Like if it's a music thing, put something that you remember. Mozart mm-hmm. 25 or what yeah. you know something like that just different yeah. ones so that you would remember what it is uh, I know it's getting kind of cold and I've had I'm glad you had a, came on here Mason thank you so much for having me no problem tell everybody one more time where they can find you give every all your anything you want to plug plug it right now go right okay, ahead okay I'm going to plug so um, you can just look up my website and my social medias the handles are all Mason Embers that's Mason E-M-B-E-R-S um, and you can find anything you want to. Basically, you can find upcoming shows. You can see the music video for my debut single. You can listen to the debut single. Um, that's about it. There's much more to come. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, I'm especially excited because you might be hearing that a little bit soon. But not in Canada, because apparently not. <laughs> not in Canada. <laughs> sorry to any Canadian <laughs> listeners. I will not be coming to Canada. So sorry for that mis- uh, misunderstanding there. It's funny yeah. when I... I get like the analytics from the for the website for everybody uh-huh. listens to the podcast, yeah. and then I see all these countries popping up, and I'm like, uh-huh. wow! I mean, listening in China and Russia and Indonesia, yeah. and um, I can't even remember all the places now. I'm like, wow! It's, it's yeah. funny that that stuff reaches, but music, same thing. Your music, yeah, music, reach. same thing. Like I've seen analytics before, and same thing. It's yeah. like, wow, that's pretty far away. It, it's funny because most um, like people do Spotify and stuff. I'm sure you get for Jim and everything on Spotify mm-hmm. and iTunes and everything that you got. Um, the Europe, the Eastern Europe countries themselves, the way they they love music, mm-hmm. it's it's funny because what you may not do very well here, you would be number one over in Germany. Yeah, or, exactly. Like I just saw last summer, I saw the band Cheap Trick uh, open up for ZZ Top at a what is it, Maris Bank Amphitheater? Yeah, so I saw them there, and it's like they were insanely popular over in japan i think it was uh-huh. like they were able to go sell out the biggest the biggest venues in japan sold out every night mm-hmm. but you know they didn't reach that popularity really the same level anywhere else but i think yeah. it's crazy how 
over in different countries, you can become a star. Yeah. I tease my wife because she's from Germany, so she's like David Hasselhoff fan. Uh, yeah, David Hasselhoff, Germany. <laughs> they um, love the Hoff in, in they Germany. They do. They really do. And America is like the hardest, the hardest place to do that, you know, because there's people before, like people who blow up over in England mm-hmm. and blowing up in America is like the, the end goal. It's like, the, yeah. that's like the hardest thing. It's like, okay, we're popular in England, but how do we get to America? You know, same thing with the Beatles. Yeah. So, yeah I'm a Rolling Stones fan more so than the Beatles. Uh, you know, I haven't really uh, delved into the Rolling Stones catalog. But oh, need you to. need to. I'm about open tuning. Keith Richards and the open I really the need open to. Because obviously, like, I've heard a million great things about them. Yeah. Um, but... I haven't even really delved that much into the Beatles. Like I've heard all their super popular stuff. Like I yeah. love Revolver and Sgt. Pepper and that kind of stuff. But um, I haven't delved into like their um, deep cuts or anything. Yeah, I, like I said, I've I've always loved the Rolling Stones more so, and mm. uh, I like the Scorpions. I like that's one of my favorite bands. ZZ Top is one of my favorite yeah, bands. So between Cheap Trick and ZZ Top, I'm gonna go ZZ Top every time. Yeah, ZZ Top <laughs> is killer, but. Um, yeah, I think that's how I distinguish myself from being like a, a super fan to just a casual fan is mm-hmm. when I'm intentionally looking at their deep cuts or their B-sides or their stuff that no one's heard before, then mm-hmm. that's how I know that I uh, like them um, like them a lot. And it's funny that you say that as songwriters, your B-time would be more than, yeah. you get B-cuts more than the other side anyway mm-hmm. to you know somebody. Yeah. So uh, I know you guys are cold. You got to head out of here. So uh, before you go, you got to do, tell me one thing. Do you have any hidden talents? I ask every guest to come on here. Hidden talents. Do I have any hidden talents? I can cook minute rice in 59 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> That's good. There That's you go. Good. That's it. My wife can burn water. She can burn she can water. Burn water. <laughs> wow. So so I do all the cooking. That's usually what I do. She'll she'll cook every now and then, but she's got German recipes like green beans and meatballs and all mm. kinds of stuff that her old ma taught her. But uh, I do most of the cooking. So do you want to do one more live song before you head out? We'll get you sure going live. I think I will do one more. You guys good on time? Okay. Then what I'll do is my phone is live. Let me let me make sure my phone is live because. Last time I did this with uh, Aaron, I tried to do it live, uh-huh. and I gave his uh, his girlfriend Katrina the phone to videotape him at fifteen percent. As soon as she hit record, it died. Oh my god! Because gosh. it was so cold outside, it just completely killed the phone. So what we will do is I will I've got it says I've got sixteen percent. So we're gonna we're gonna try it. <laughs> and what I'll do is I'll go ahead and set it up. And you just uh, take it away live, and that way you tell after the after the song to everybody again where they can find you. Uh, anything you want to plug, website stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Best time to do it. Awesome. So let me pull that up, and I will introduce it. You know what? You know what might be a little bit fun to do. What's that? If I do the uh, if I do a cover, maybe. Sure. Anything you want. That could be fun. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do. Um, Let's do Fake Plastic Trees. I brought it up. So that's my All favorite right. cover song, so let's do it. All right. Give me one second to get everything started, then, and we will all go live. Are you ready for me to go live? Ready. All right. I mean, I can see I'm old. I got to learn how to flip this stuff around. There we go. It took me forever to figure out how to flip it. It did. I, I mean, don't know why. they make it a little bit. It's hard to, you know, figure that stuff out. At least they make bigger phones for old people. It's like the, the, the it phones keeps getting bigger. The lights. That's the thing. It keeps <laughs> getting bigger. So that's good. All right. Start video. Here we go. 
This is Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Hey, everybody. We are here live with Mr. Mason Embers, and we're finishing up the podcast. So he's waving at you. He doesn't know I haven't flipped the phone yet. Or <laughs> That's fine. So uh, here you go, Mason. Tell everybody what you're doing. Hello, everybody. I'm Mason Embers. Right now, I'm on the Georgia Songbirds podcast, as you just heard. Um, thank you to Jesse for having me out here. Right now, I'm going to perform a little cover of a song called Fake Plastic Trees by my favorite band, Radiohead. Plastic watering can for a fake Chinese rubber plant in a fake plastic earth. That she bought from a rubber man. In a town full of rubber plants To get rid of itself It wears her out It wears her out It wears her out It wears her out She lives with the broken man A cracked polystyrene man who just crumbles and burns He used to do surgery for girls in the 80s But gravity always it always wins and wears him out. It wears him out. It wears him out. It wears him out. Where's a mouth? It wears him. She looks like the real thing. She tastes like the real thing. My fake plastic. My fake love And I can't help the feeling I could blow through the ceiling If 
Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, you can find me at MasonEmbers.com and MasonEmbers on all social media social media handles. And uh, yeah, go listen to my debut single, Gem, if you enjoyed what you just heard. And uh, watch the music video as well. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, if you like what you heard, become a member today. Thank you, guys. You can hear the rain is starting to come our way, so we're going to yeah. cut it out. Thank you, guys, for listening. And that was Mason Embers. Awesome. Right. That was some so. atmosphere. I know, that right? That rain added some ambience. Oh, that was great. Oh, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to shut this down so nothing gets wet. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mason, for coming on. Thank you so much.
much to lose I didn't know what to do But now I know what to do Yeah, cause I found a shine Something to fix me inside Something to take me aside That won't leave me behind And just leave me in my life And go Be safe and sound with you.